On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Clemente Almanza to discuss the Oklahoma City Thunder needing a new arena. What will that look like in downtown Oklahoma City? Plus, will these recent rule changes impact the Thunder at all, or really any team for that matter? All this and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast, joined, of course, by Clemente Almanza here today talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder and their need for a new arena with a proposed bill that will go up on December 12th in Oklahoma City. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about some rule changes and just some expectations for what should be a very fun season in Oklahoma City. Today's show, of course, is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Make sure you check them out today because they're the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more with new customers getting uh, a five dollars for just uh, giving five dollars and getting a two hundred dollar bonus bet guaranteed, win or lose. So check it out today at FanDuel.com/slash/LockedOn. Clemente, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. The weather's starting to cool down. Leaves are turning brown. We got the uh, much anticipated Thunder Fan Fest news today, which means that uh, the NBA and Thunder season are just right around the corner. Yeah, much anticipated Fan Fest news. I know that you were waiting on the edge of your seat to know when Fan Fest would be, which it will be October 8th. So just before the Wimby Chet preseason game, will we see both Wimbanyama and Chet Holmgren in that October 9th preseason game in Paycom? I think so. Probably for like a quarter or so. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely hope so for sure. Um, so I'm banging on the side of that. We will see Chet and Wimby there. It'll be really fun. I mean, media day is in a couple of weeks. Training camp follows, of course, the day after. And then we're rocking and rolling with NBA coverage throughout the season. We're back on Lockdown Thunder five days a week starting on Monday. Uh, and so today we're talking with Clemente about this new arena proposal, about expectations for this Thunder season and some new rule changes. Clemente, what was your initial reaction to the arena news? We've talked before about why this new arena was necessary, but now we actually have details in hand. What did you think of the proposal? Uh, I don't think anything was too surprising. I mean, David Holtz talked about this for over a year now, and he's kind of laid out all the uh, major details that were going to come with it. And then um, on Wednesday, we got it all laid out in official paperwork as like what a new arena would look like. Um, we found out how much a new arena was going to cost, which is going to be a- around $900 million, which is probably like the standard rate for recent NBA arenas. Um, we also found out that they're going to hope to uh, extend the current uh, temporary one-cent tax, uh, tax that's been going on since the 90s here in the vote in December as well in order to fund the arena. Um, we also found out that the latest at the arena – it's going to open, at least what they're hoping, it's the 29-2030 season, which means that we probably have like at least three, four, five more years left at Paycom Center. I think really the biggest takeaway is just that the funder ownership contributing $50 million, which is going to make up probably less than 5% when it's all said and done towards the entire arena construction. Uh, I saw like a lot of people a little underwhelmed, underwhelmed with that number, and 
I totally understand why, especially if you see like what other ownership groups, what percentage of their money they put into their arenas. I mean, the 76ers are funding their $1 billion arena all by themselves um, in terms of their ownership group. So I definitely understand why some people would uh, feel underwhelmed by the $50 million commitment, especially with how Holtz kind of talked about it over the last uh, 14 months. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's either you do this or the funder just move away. I mean, Holtz talked about this all the time where if OKC isn't willing to pony up and pay for a new arena, there's a long list of teams or of cities around the country that are willing to uh, give OKC what, what the funders uh, want in terms of a new uh, arena. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a complex situation where I, I, de- I definitely understand where both sides are coming from. Um, and if you want to vote one, one, one way or the other, that's really up to you. I don't really feel comfortable in telling how, you know, someone should vote, especially with something like this, where it directly impacts you with your tax money. Um, but yeah, those are just like my biggest takeaways from what we found out Wednesday. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mentioned this yesterday. For me, no matter what you say about this topic, no one's going to change their mind. Everyone has their mind made up of what they think is best, and that's what they're going to do, and and more power to you. That's why we have uh, this voting system. The only thing I would highlight is that, yes, $50 million on a $900 million arena is is nothing, is a drop in the bucket. Uh, but uh, the sad reality is it's it's a business transaction at the end of the day. And the Thunder own all the leverage. They, they, they uh, ponying up $50 million is frankly more than they have to. They could do zero and just have that leverage still. So anything is worth something. Uh, and, and you mentioned Philadelphia. You know, you know, the franchises that we've seen invest more and more and more into their own personal arena, not only own the arena, but they're franchises that don't have leverage. I mean, you're, you're not going to leave Philadelphia. You're not going to leave San Francisco. You are going to leave Oklahoma City if they do not pay for, for your arena. And like you said, that in, in, in whoever's listening to this is mine, that might uh, be okay with you uh, if they leave. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, but that's just the cold reality is, is at the end of the day, for better or worse, this is a business transaction and the Thunder have the business leverage. And so you're either going to pay for their stadium or they're going to leave. Uh, and you can make the case in either direction. I think that what the Thunder have done for this city is worth uh, reinvesting in with extending this tax. But if you don't, then that's why you go vote on December 12th uh, if you live in Oklahoma City. And we'll just see how it shakes out uh, whenever the vote's tabulated by that night or December 13th or whenever uh, we get the election over with. So ultimately... Uh, I, I hope and think that this will pass, uh, but I do think that some of the uh, notion about the Thunder ownership group and the $50 million is a bit misplaced because it is a, a big sticker shock of like, wow, only $50 million. Uh, but it is frankly more than they have to do. And so it, it is good that they're doing anything um, in general. And of course, locking themselves into uh, that, that lease through 2050 should this pass uh, is another form of compensation in and of itself that they cannot uh, wiggle out of uh, for for the foreseeable future on top of that fifty million dollars, and uh, there is no team coming behind it as well. So, like if you vote no for this, there will be no team that that follows suits and thinks that Paycom's a good enough place to play, and you don't have any other facilities. Period to draw in professional teams. So, at the end of the day, if you wanted to main, you know regain another professional team later down the road, you'd be needing to build new facilities without the fifty million dollar contribution. So. To me, it makes sense to vote yes, but if it doesn't make sense to you, then that's perfectly fine. But Clemente, to end the arena talk, we, we discussed this a little bit when this news first broke that, that a proposal was coming. But now understanding 
the dollar amount, understanding the mission of making this um, a, a, an event center as much as a Thunder Arena to to host massive uh, events and host uh, incredible just outings for for the public of Oklahoma City. What are some amenities that you want to see them uh, see them add? Um, well, I mean, I mean, I, this has kind of become a joke with Steve Warner, but like, if, if they increase their bathroom situation, like, if you've been to enough Thunder games, you know that the lines for, for the bathrooms, especially halftime, are excruciating long. And if they're willing to like uh, multiply their bathroom situation, I think that's going to be a huge get as well. Uh, we've talked about, you know, maybe potentially bringing back uh, Thunder Alley or some sort of like Thunder fan section, whether it's inside the arena or outside. Um, just creating that type of culture um, around the team. Uh, we're we're kind of seeing a similar situation play out with, with the OU football situation with them going to the SEC and them bringing back tailgating, online student, all that. I'm hoping that we get like some sort of similar outcome with OKC once this new arena gets built where, where either, like I said, it's maybe it's like outside the street from where the arena is at where fans are able to uh, come together and celebrate and, and just really just be, be fans together and just create this, this sense of community. Um, so like those really are, are are the two big like things that I'm really looking forward to when slash this new arena gets built. Yeah, I I can't say with 100% certainty, but I can say with 99.99999% certainty, the Thunder are going to be bringing back Thunder Alley whenever this new arena is built. They will have their version of uh, the Deer District in Milwaukee, which is an arena that Mayor Holtz talked about, uh, kind of modeling this new arena after. Uh, and you see with Toronto with a Jurassic Park, uh, you know area that they had during their finals run there's going to be some form of uh, outside entertainment for fans in playoff scenarios where you have overflow of like not everyone can get into the door and then also just for everyday consumption of just uh, being around the thunder during the season and, and before games and after games to hang out with so there'll be a, i think there'll be a complete overhaul of thunder alley and a, and a new uh, resurrection of that and an even better version of what we saw the first time around once this new arena is in place. And hopefully we start to slowly uh, incorporate that more and more as this team gets better and better and reintroduces itself to postseason basketball, which could happen this season. We'll talk about expectations for this season coming up. But first, I want to say right now about our good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel, it's incredible. And you should go there right now and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Whenever you do, you can be ready for NFL season, which has already kicked off. And it's the America's number one sports book for a reason, because if you're a new customer and you bet down $5, you get $200 in bonus bets back guaranteed win or lose. Also, all customers, if you bet $5, you get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube or YouTube TV, which allows you to watch every single out of market game. I love Sunday ticket. I've had it since it was on direct TV. I love it even more on YouTube TV. It's so much easier to use and, and, and just a better overall product. So check it out today with hundred dollars off by going to finner.com, putting down the $5 by going to finner.com slash lockdown, finner.com slash lockdown. Make sure you check it out today for prop bets, spreads, over-unders, all that good stuff. Finner.com slash lockdown. We're back on the Lockdown Theater Podcast. Clemente, thanks for joining us today. The expectations for this season. Let's go through a quick game of fact or fiction. Clemente, fact or fiction, the Oklahoma City Thunder will be back in the playoffs this year. Uh, I think that's fact. Uh, I mean, if you if you look at the, just their last season peripherals, I think they're a top 10 in offensive rating and defensive rating, or at least top half in the league. 
um, which kind of speaks to how that the Thunder probably didn't their, their record probably didn't reflect just how talented they were that season. So if they continue, uh, if they continue to just play that well this upcoming season, and if all the guys just continue to make the natural progression uh, you see young players usually make in their second or third season, I think OKC should relatively easily make uh, make the playoffs with 40-45 wins. Fact or fiction, the Thunder currently roster three All-Stars. Three future All-Stars. Already got three. one with Shea, so yeah. is there two more on this team? Uh, well, does all the people count? <laughs> is that cheating a little bit? That is cheating. That is very much cheating. <laughs> of the realistic core members of this young group. Clemente's always looking for a workaround, yeah. always looking for a scheme. Uh, the sneakiest person <laughs> on the beat. Uh, I go fact here. I mean, like you mentioned, Shea's already established himself as one of the best players in the league. Uh, J-Dub definitely looks like he's going to eventually uh, become one of those perennial all-star wings, uh, especially how he plays and how his game is structured. And then outside of those two, I mean, it's just a numbers game. You, you, I mean, one would think that, you know, one of Chad or Giddy or maybe even Usman uh, hits for OKC, and if they hit, then all three of those guys' ceilings is probably like at least a one-time all-star. Yeah, and this is an all-star appearance on any team, so I think it is a fact as well because I think at some point in their careers, no matter where they're playing, at some point three of SGA, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren – will hit that all-star level potential. Uh, and then you also have, like you said, some wiggle room of like maybe Usman Jane could, maybe someone else could. But realistically, I think three of the core four guys are going to for sure make an all-star team. So I'd say that that is fact as well. Clemente, fact or fiction, for every game that these five players are healthy for, this is the starting lineup for the Thunder. SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, Chet Holmgren. For this upcoming season, I think I'll edge towards fact, but I could really be convinced that it could be fiction. Um, obviously, I think probably odd man out of that group is probably Lou Dort, um, especially since he already has – he kind of already has his um, – I don't want to replace him, but players with similar skill sets on the roster uh, with someone like Casey Wallace. Um, and then you also have Vasily Micic, and who knows how good he's going to be. Um, so there's plenty of candidates who could usurp Lou Dort uh, this upcoming season. Um, so he's probably like the most likely out of those five to uh, lose the starting spot. But for right now, this upcoming season, I just don't really see that happening. So I'll go with fact. Yeah, I'm going to go with fact too. I think that obviously Mark loves to change the lineup around, and that's just what he's been doing his whole time here. But ultimately, the Thunder really love Lou Dort, and they really uh, think that he is one of their best players and, and trust him and rely on him uh, as a leader of this team. And so I think that, that earns him the starting nod. Now, uh, I think that it would be fiction that those five guys would close every game. I think the closing lineup will be matchup dependent on if you need offense, if you need defense, if you need shooting, whatever you might need, uh, the, the closing lineups will vary as they did last year. Like there were games where Josh Giddy got benched at the end of the, the contest last year. Like there's been games where Lou Dort has gotten benched at the end of the contest. Like it's, it's happened before uh, even just last year. So as the team gets better and better, uh, it'll happen more frequently where you go through the Rolodex of players and figure out who has the hot hand, who, who is going to be best suited for that certain game, that certain opponent on that night. So, Starting lineup-wise, I think that that is going to be your starting lineup this year. 
uh, whenever all five are fully healthy. Uh, but closing lineup is a bit of a different story. Now, sticking with Cason Wallace, I think that he gets forgotten about a little bit because you already have kind of a solidified core four that fans are extremely excited about. But this is a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Fact or fiction, Cason Wallace doesn't play for the OKC Blue, and he has a stable rotation spot for the Thunder. Uh, I think I'll lean towards fiction, uh, which isn't like a detriment towards Wallace. I think it just speaks more about how highly valuable the Thunder view the OKC Blue program. I mean, they're probably like one of the better teams in the league when it comes to fully utilizing the G League. And I'm expecting it to be the case this year since they're going to continue to play at Paycom Center. So assigning players and recalling players is going to be as seamless as possible since they play at the same arena. And a lot of the time they're playing double hitters as well. Um, so that should make that process easier as well. Um, but I think I'll go fishing here. I think Kaysen's probably going to play a healthy amount of OKC Blue games this year. Now, once the Blue season ends, I think in March, um, we'll see if, if Wallace gets a chance to uh, be someone in Mark Dagnall's rotation during uh, April games and playoff games. But for right now, I'll go fishing. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I think that the Thunder view the blue as an extension of their franchise and what Cam Woods can do with a defensive player is going to be just awesome for Kaysen's development. And the guard rotation is going to be messy enough to where there's just going to be stretches where he just doesn't play and you'd rather have him playing than not playing. And the Thunder have have really hammered it into these players that playing for the G League team is not a demotion. It's nothing bad. It's nothing to to scoff at. It's just part of your developmental track playing in Oklahoma City. And we only see a few players get around playing with the blue. Uh, speaking of a player who did play for the blue last year, a lot was Usman Jang. And so fact or fiction, Usman Jang will have a year two breakout. Oof. I think I'll go fact just because Usman Jang's rookie season was a little bit forgettable because of, of mixture of things. One being that he's, he was a super young guy. So he wasn't really in March rotation all that often last year. Another that he suffered some, some injuries there as well that made him miss some significant time as well. Um, so based off the fact that his rookie season um, didn't was didn't um, was pretty forgettable if we're being blunt here. Um, I'm I'm going with fact here just because that's such a low bar to uh, to to jump over. So I definitely think Jane's going to be better this this year. I mean he he played he showed some flashes throughout summer league as being like a, a potentially ball handling wing who can defend a little bit. Um, and I, I, I think that'll probably lead to him pl- playing a more solidified role of OKC. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go fact as well. If we're agreeing that a breakout season is like him becoming a rotational player, uh, I think that, that would be a breakout for him. It's not a breakout nationally, but a breakout locally uh, of a guy who uh, fits the skill set. I mean, he's he's a switchable, versatile defender who can play make. And that's exactly what gets you on the floor for this Thunder team. Uh, And if he can stay healthy, uh, battled that wrist injury last year from summer league, and then a different one during the actual NBA season, if he can stay healthy, I think it will get rotational minutes as the season progresses and end up looking really good. He showed flashes of being a really good defender last year as a rookie uh, against uh, Steph Curry, even like some of the best in the world uh, at playing offense. So I think that this year, year two, more comfortable, uh, more acclimated to the NBA, he can have a rotational slot for the Thunder. Now that's going to have to uh, become a, a top a topic of discussion for the Thunder 
in general because you can't play all these great players that, that you want to play and, and these rotational players who uh, have pockets of fans like Wiggins, Kenny Hustle, Usman, like Poku. They, they all have their pocket of fans that think that those are the best options. Clemente, who do you think is going to be the one that fans are clamoring to play more? Who's going to draw kind of the uh, the lesser minutes uh, of the bench players? Um, probably, probably something that you didn't mention. I mean, Jay will. It's gonna be. It's it, it's really hard to see Jay will get like consistent minutes or at least a high volume minutes that he did last year. I mean, he was basically the OKC starting center for basically the second half of last year, and coming into the season. Uh, probably serve more as a bench role. Um, but like you mentioned, there's like a ton of front court and center depth coming into this year. And if any of those guys ahead of him struggle, I bet you fans are going to be like, well, why don't we give minutes to the guy that kind of proved it last year on a playing contender who gave you very solid minutes at the five, is an undersized big, and led the league in charge drawn, um, and could shoot the free ball a little bit as well. So. Um, I think Jay will uh, is probably like the best candidate when it comes to uh, when, when it comes to fans clamoring for him to get more minutes. Um, but yeah, fact or fiction, Clemente, the Thunder make it out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant was in OKC. Oof. Now you're really pinning me as a villain here, Ryland. But I, I think I got. I think I got to go fiction because I'm assuming the Thunder go Thunder win like 40, 45 wins uh, or games this upcoming year. That's probably going to put them in the uh, uh, six to eight range in the in the playoff seating. And uh, while you know OKC has such a bright young core, one of the best players in the league, I just have a hard time seeing them just win the playoff series in their very first playoff run. They're probably going to have their learning curves, and one of their first learning curves is having a hard fought. Uh, first round series against one of these other veteran teams that's been there and done that. Coming up, we're going to discuss the latest rule changes as well as get Clemente's picks for who he would cut and survive the roster crunch. But first, I want to tell you right now about Jace Case. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during their unexpected uh, times that, that might pop up in your life. And that's why Jace Medicine uh, and Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you never have to wonder if you have access to the medication that you need in case of emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have that medication on hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything in an online evaluation uh, of licensed pharmacists as well that, that can have these medicines and medications delivered to you and on-the-go counseling and ongoing counseling and care for you. So do not get caught unprepared. Make sure you are prepared in case of any emergency happenings that you have these life-saving medicines on hand. So you can go there right now and save more than $360 uh, by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off for using the code locked on at checkout. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. We're back both with his podcast and with Clemente Amanza talking about the Thunder season. And so, Clemente, before we move into the rule change, it's the talk of the preseason. 
Once again, the Thunder will enter training camp with an overflowing roster. What three players are they going to cut to make their roster legal? Uh, the three players. Um, well, I think Victor Oladipo is probably an easy one. Um, he's a, he's an expiring $9.5 million uh, salary. Um, I think he's probably going to end up waiving him. Uh, so that's one guy down. Um, the next guy is probably, probably Jack White. I mean, I, like, I watched the entire FIBA World Cup run, and I watched every single Australia game hoping to get, like, some sort of uh, opinion on Jack White. And, like, I, I really didn't learn anything new about him, I'm being honest. I mean, he didn't really play for them uh, during the group games. He, he only played during garbage time, basically. Um, so Jack White's probably the next guy just because I just don't really see it with him. 26 years old, undrafted guy, was on a two-way deal last year with the Nuggets. Just not holding on upside there. Um, as far as those two, it gets a little bit dicey. Uh, I mean, people talked about Trey Mann. Um, JRE is another guy that's come up here often. Um, those two are like really the top two candidates. Um, I think I lean towards JRE here because Trey Mann has a little bit more upside as a score, while JRE um, is just like a ton more guys ahead of him on the depth chart for him to like really get an opportunity to show something in his third year. So, if I, had to, if I had to pick right now, those are probably my three when it comes to making uh, roster decisions. Yeah, I like it. I think that it's interesting uh, to see what, what they end up going with. I think that it does swing with Jerry or Trey Mann. And the fact that Trey Mann has more upside uh, in a vacuum looks good. Could also mean that they trade him for like a second round pick to a spot where he can have more runway and more potential to develop and grow and show set upside to do a favor to him uh, to get him more consistent playing time and, and, and display his skill set. Now, one last question to call your shot. So you can go back and clip this if you're right. And if you're wrong, we're just going to forget about it. It's a podcast in September. Will the Thunder wave three players or swap them for three other players who are more easily waived like they did last year with the Rockets? I think I'll go with the first option. I think they'll just end up cutting these guys and and, and not try to like – try to squeeze some value out of them. Um, You're robbing us of Daniel Nuaba preseason uh, <laughs> content. I am, but I mean, it's just hard to see that type of trade happening. The Marquise Quist pocket of fans were just phenomenal. <laughs> they thought, they thought that this traditional center was just the key to success. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I think it doesn't cutting most of these guys for sure. You're robbing us of great storylines. <laughs> Clemente, latest rule change that happened this week about not being able to rest players uh, and not being able to rest multiple all-stars in the same game. Doesn't impact the Thunder at all because they only have one all-star and, and one quote-unquote star according to league rules. It's only SGA, so they can never be caught rusting two. They only have one, so it doesn't impact them at all. Clemente, I don't think that this impacts anyone in the entire league. The only thing it does is me- it means that you cannot be as uh, – flamboyant about it you can't just like outright say like what jason kidd and mark cuban did last year of saying hey look we're trying to keep our picks we're not gonna play any of our guys they outright said that yeah you can't do that but who's to say that you know you mark down luca as knee soreness how's anyone gonna prove that he is or isn't feeling knee soreness how, how can you define soreness so i don't see how they can put the toothpaste back in the tube on player resting sure we're no longer gonna see load management or rest 
as the designation, we'll just see some other designation of some somewhat truth uh, t t of their injury report. Because I'm sure that all these guys feel soreness from game one to 82. And any time that they need a night off, just say that they're feeling sore. And again, how do you prove it? So are you as down on this world change as I am? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent towards it. I mean, like you mentioned, it kind of feels like it's just a, a semantic battle in terms of just how these guys' injuries are listed or or, or why they're missing a game or whatever. Um, in terms of okay, in terms of how it impacts OKC, I think we kind of already knew this heading into the season that teams were probably going to take OKC more seriously just because of the year they had last year, and we're probably done with the days where teams are resting all of their all-star players and all their starters against OKC. But with this rule change, it kind of forced teams' hands not to play at least, you know, most of their good players against OKC, which I think it's a good thing because it just goes to show that the Thunder are slowly climbing that um, that ladder in terms of where they're ranked and respected around among the league. So, um, I mean, yeah, overall, like, uh, I don't really think it's going to make that big of a difference outside of just, you know, like you mentioned, just arguing semantics. So do you think that this rule change is going to work? Do you think that Paul George and Kawhi and these guys will end up playing more games this year than normal? Uh, no, like you said, because there, there's a way around it where you can just list them as having knee soreness or, or, or ankle soreness or an ankle sprain or whatever, and they could still miss that game. It's just that teams are just going to have to be uh, more discreet and more savvy about their injury designation. They, they, they just can't say that they're resting guys. Exactly. I, I don't see how this works at all, how this, you know, kind of goes into effect the way that it's designed to at all. Uh, it'd be great if it did. I, I want it to work because I think that there is something to be said for uh, making this long regular season feel more legitimate whenever you can buy a ticket and know, hey, I'm going to go see Paul George play in a couple weeks and I have to wonder if by that time he'll be load managing or I'm going to sit down tonight and watch the Thunder play because I want to see Luka Doncic play tonight uh, on television and, oh, wait, I get home, turn the TV on, he's not playing. Like I think it'd be great for the league to have these guys playing as, as close to 82 games as you can, but this is not the rule that makes that happen. And I don't think that there's a rule to make that happen because you're just never going to be able to prove if a guy's truly hurt or not. So unless someone is going to tattletale, no one's going to be the wiser of if a guy truly is hurt or not and can or can't go on a specific night. So uh, I just, I, I don't think that you can put uh, the toothpaste back in the tube on this one. I think that, I think at the end of the day, this is a move that the league is making to say, hey, look, we did something. We tried uh, because fans have now started to cry for these changes and, and, and ask the league to step in. And now they can give you tangible rules of like we, we're trying to do something about it, but it's it's almost not enforceable. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, the fans, like I feel like the average fan should understand that most of these guys need to rest these games in order to be ready for the playoffs when these games actually matter. So um, I, I really don't, that's why I really don't sympathize with, with certain fans arguing about how they went to a game and they wanted to see this guy and they couldn't play, and they couldn't see him. Um, like I understand if you're disappointed about that, but to be outraged to the point where you're demanding the league to do something about it, I just don't understand when it's probably for the betterment of your team in the long run. Um, like, you know, Paul Jordan and Kawhi are like the biggest examples of this. Um, being forced into play 60 plus games is kind of uh, uh, cutting your cutting your nose or to spite your face. So, I mean, yeah, I just you're, you're right when it comes to just how uh, this is more, mostly just a semantic battle. 
Yeah, and those two guys specifically have to be studied and, and have been studied and will be studied because uh, it's not helping. Like the, There's always something that still happens that they cannot complete the postseason anyway. Uh, so maybe the argument is that they're not playing enough games and they're not, they're not, they're, they're not trained to play uh, enough games. Who knows? But uh, at the end of the day, as long as you're not just fully, absolutely abusing the rule, I'm okay with it because it is a lot to ask of guys to play 82 games um, and you are going to kind of rest guys and try to play the advantage of um, matchups and, and you can sneak one in in Orlando and then you need them. You need your star for Boston on the second night of a back-to-back. I think that part's all strategy. And, and the only way I think that you could fix this would be a way that just can't happen feasibly is, is if you eliminate back-to-backs and you eliminate uh, three games in four nights at that point, then, you know, at that point you the players just have to play because, because you have all the amenities and everything. If you're somewhat healthy, if, if you're, if you're able to play, you should play with no back-to-backs, but in the current construct of back-to-backs uh, of these baseball style series against uh, some weaker opponents, uh, whenever you have three games in four nights, like in those settings, it's almost impossible not to uh, take advantage of some rest and, and, and buy some rest for these players uh, who are playing when they do play basically the whole game, like basically playing the all 48 minutes, whenever they do play, these superstars are. So uh, it's going to be a tough challenge. It's going to be uh, something to monitor, but I don't think that this rule ultimately changes much of anything. I like all the other rule changes so far that they've promoted this off season. I think that the end season tournament's great. I think that the uh, challenge rule of getting your challenge back would be great uh, after you win one. Uh, I, I love the addition of another two way contract, but this rule about stars resting, I don't think does anything for the league. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, even the designation of the all-star kind of is kind of iffy as well. I mean, I think I think I think like an all-star all NBA player the last three seasons. I mean, three seasons is, is a long time. So, I mean, it, it kind of screws teams over who has guys who aren't the player that they were three seasons ago, but you're still a super valuable player, and they, they kind of have to force to play some of those guys just because of that. So, yeah, I mean, just overall, like this this rule is pretty um pretty flimsy to say the least. But Clemente, thank you for joining us. Any final words before we get out of here? And we're about to start another season of Thunder Basketball. Uh, no, not really. I mean, just you know, continue to. Uh, you know, follow my work, follow me on Twitter. Um, about to enter, whew, I think I'm my fourth or fifth season covering the Thunder now in some capacities. So just super excited to just get back on the grind, just get things started. Going to get things started. It's going to be fun. Clemente, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be good and be good to one another.